Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Jesus addresses the crowd he was talking to, his disciples, and he said that he notices a very disturbing attitude in this young man that he wanted to warn his audience about. And here's the warning, verse 15. And Jesus said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Sometimes we think how we spend or save our income should be up to us and us alone. But in reality, Jesus had more to say about our finances than nearly any other topic in Scripture. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress issues a severe warning against greed from the parable of the rich fool. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. We're not even midway to the deadline, July 4th, and we have a long way to go in the matching challenge that's active right now. Let me invite you to join us in this worthy campaign. It was launched by several loyal families who set aside the impressive amount of $500,000 for this purpose. Their intent with the matching challenge is to inspire people like you to give generously, with the added benefit of knowing that your gift goes twice as far. Your generous gift of $50 becomes $100. A generous gift of $1,000 becomes $2,000. Because of the matching challenge, every dollar that's given during this time period is automatically doubled. This gives us the resources to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word through the most effective means available, which are radio, television, digital platforms, and our printed resources. Speaking of printed resources, today I'm going to say thanks for your generous gift by sending you a copy of my brand new children's book. It's called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids. As the grandfather of triplets, I care deeply about our children and the dangers of the world they are facing. This book equips any parent or grandparent with a tool for teaching our children ten timeless lessons from the lips of Jesus himself. I'm going to say more about this children's book and the matching challenge later on. But right now, it's time to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 12, in which we find another favorite story from Jesus. I titled today's message, Loosening Your Grip on Greed. Some of you may remember the name of Ivan Boski. Remember that figure from the 1980s? He was the Wall Street tycoon who was arrested and went to prison for insider trading. He was also the man who is the model for the Michael Douglas character in the movie Wall Street. When Ivan Boski was at the height of his career, he was asked to give an address at a business school commencement. And during that address, he said, greed is all right. I want you to know that greed is healthy. You can be greedy and still feel good about yourself. Newsweek magazine later wrote, The strangest thing when we look back will not be just that Ivan Boski could say that at a business school graduation, but that it was greeted with laughter and applause. Greed is nothing to joke about. Today's message doesn't have three points to it. It only has a single point to it. And the point is this. The problem with greed 
is not what it gets you, but what it costs you. The price tag for greed can be quite high. For Ivan Boski, the price tag of greed was imprisonment. For you, it might be bankruptcy, termination from a job, the dissolution of your marriage. I read this week that the business executive who works from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week, will be both very successful and also well-remembered by his wife's second husband. (laughs) Greed can cost you your marriage, but it can also cost you your eternal soul. And that's the point of the parable we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12 as we talk about how to loosen the grip of greed on your life. Now in Luke chapter 12, the first 12 verses of this chapter, Jesus is speaking out against the Pharisees. You know, Jesus' most scathing attacks were not against adulterers or murderers or drunkards or thieves, but against the religious hypocrites of his day, the Pharisees. But in the middle of that discourse, in verse 13, somebody interrupts Jesus' teaching with what he felt like was a much more urgent issue. Look at verse 13, this request that is made of Jesus. And somebody in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Now, according to Jewish tradition, if uh, a father were to die, his older son would be the executor of the state. He would receive two-thirds of the estate But his responsibility was also to keep the family business, or in this case, the farm, intact into a single piece of land. But here was a younger brother who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my father has died, and I want my inheritance, and I want it now. But verse 14, Jesus said, he's not interested in being the judge in small claims court. He said, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? But then in verse 15, Jesus addresses the crowd he was talking to, his disciples. And he said that he notices a very disturbing attitude in this young man that he wanted to warn his audience about. And here's the warning, verse 15. And Jesus said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Jesus saw in this young man the dangerous attitude of greed What is greed? Greed is that insatiable desire to have more, to want more and more and more. It's that inner craving for more. And of course, the problem with greed is twofold. First of all, it can never really be satisfied. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how much success, how many accomplishments you've racked up, there's always that desire for more and more and more. In verse 15, he adds this warning. Jesus says, For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. What a startling statement. Doesn't matter how much you have, your life is not defined by how much you have. You're familiar with the term net worth? Today, financial planners will sit down with you and talk about calculating your net worth. And to calculate your net worth, they say what you do is, first of all, add up all of your assets, your stocks, your bonds, your bank account, your house. Those are your assets. Then subtract all of your liabilities, everything you owe, and hopefully you still have a positive number. And if you do, assets minus liabilities equals your net worth. 
Now, there's only one problem with that. That calculation fails to take into account that one day you're going to be separated from your possessions. See, your life is more than just what you own. One day, you're going to leave everything behind, and it is only your spirit that is going to stand before God in judgment. Your life consists of more than your possessions. Ladies and gentlemen, the most foolish choice you will ever make in life is to spend your life accumulating things that you will one day leave behind at the expense of gaining the only thing that will matter one second after you die. And to illustrate the tragedy of that choice, Jesus tells this parable beginning in verse 16. Here's the story. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a certain rich man was very productive. And so this man, verse 17, began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Apparently, he had had a banner harvest that year. He had more crops than he knew what to do with. So he began to ask himself, What am I going to do with all of this that I have? This man had a problem that most of us could only dream to have. He had more than he knew what to do with. At night, he would lie awake and he would think over, what am I going to do with all of this excess? Verse 20 indicates he had insomnia because he had so much and he didn't know what to do with. And then he came upon this plan. Look at what he says in verse 18. And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And notice his plan, verse 19, it was actually a twofold financial plan. First of all, he said, I'm going to take this excess and I'm going to store up so much that I don't have to worry about anything in the future. In other words, I'm going to get a pile of money so big that I never have to worry about anyone or anything. You think about that, how foolish that is. To think that there's an amount of money you could have where you wouldn't have to worry about anyone or anything. What amount of money is going to protect you from being hit by a drunk driver? Is there any amount of money? What amount of money is going to protect you against a maverick cancer cell in your body. The the idea that money can protect us is only an illusion. But he he was under that illusion. He said, I'm going to store up. I'm going to build a fortress that's going to protect me. And then he said, secondly, I'm going to be able to take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That is, what I want to do is store up so much money that I never have to work again, and instead I can... Retire. Retire. Now hold on to your pews here for a moment. I'm going to say something to you. This idea of retirement, this idea that I can spend the last 20 or 30 years of my life doing nothing but entertaining myself, that is a very American idea and it is a very unbiblical idea. 
God's plan for your life was never that you spend the last 20 or 30 years of your life waking up every morning saying, what am I going to do today to entertain myself? I'll go putter around the golf course every day for hours at a time. Or I'll get in a Winnebago and travel around the country terrorizing my children and grandchildren. Folks, that was never God's plan. Now, I'm not saying that you have to stay at the job you have forever, but God wants your life to be productive and count for something, not just focused on yourself. And by the way, it's this unbiblical idea of retirement that is about to bankrupt our country right now. The Social Security system wasn't developed to be able to support people for 20 or 30 years. It was designed to support people maybe one year after their life expectancy back in the 1940s. It was never planned to take care of people forever and ever. And you know what's happened because we've come up with this unbiblical idea of retirement is, first of all, it produces all kind of stress on people while they're working. They think, oh, I've got to get this big pile of money, you know, millions of dollars so I can live off of it the last 20 or 30 years of my life. So they get all stressed out. And not only that, they postpone enjoying the life God's given them right now. Sure, we ought to set aside a little bit to save, but you, very few people can ever save enough money to spend 20 or 30 years and not work. And then people end up becoming stingy. They don't tithe. They don't give to God what they ought to give because they're trying to accumulate this nest egg, this pile of money, so that one day they can wake up and say, I've arrived. I can eat and drink and be merry and take my ease. That's what this guy's plan was. Now, there's only one problem in his planning. He planned for every contingency except one, his death. Look what happened in verse 20. But God. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Underline it. But God. Here's the man said, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. Verse 20. But God. God has the final word in all of our plans. I was talking to a guy this week. And he, he makes suits for people. He told me about a guy that he made four suits for. They were very nice suits. And one of them was a special suit. And this man said, now I am only going to wear this for a special occasion. I'm going to save it and save it and save it for a special occasion. At 38 years of age, this man dropped dead unexpectedly. And his wife dressed him in that suit for his funeral, the special occasion. One thing he hadn't planned for. It's one thing this man didn't plan for. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? You fool. That word required, I want you to underline it in your Bible. It is a banking term that literally means to call in a loan. When a bank calls in a loan, that's the word that God used here. And what a descriptive word. You see, your life is not your own. My life is not mine. Our lives are on loan to us from God. And God can call in the loan anytime he chooses. And on this night, when this man had come up with this great plan, God said, tonight the loan is called. Your life is required, and who is going to own what you prepared? Can you imagine 
the profound sense of disappointment this man must have felt in that instance when he realized that everything he had spent his life building, everything he had spent his life accumulating, suddenly it was going to be all left behind. Look at what the Bible says. The world called this man a success. God called this man a fool. Why? Because he had spent his life accumulating that which he would leave behind at the expense of gaining the only thing that would matter one second after he died. And that was his relationship with God. You see, the problem with greed is not what it gets you, but what it costs you. Jesus adds this application in verse 21. So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. As the soap opera says, we all only have one life to live. And we get to choose how we're going to spend that life. Are we going to build it around the temporal? Or are we going to build it around the eternal? I was rereading the story this week, the true story about uh, the European wrestling champion. His name was Yusuf. He went by the name Yusuf the Terrible Turk. And uh, he came to America to fight our American wrestling champion named Strangler Lewis. Isn't that a great name? Strangler Lewis. He came to America to fight Strangler Lewis, and uh, he won the wrestling match. The prize was $5,000. And Yusuf the Terrible Turk demanded that his money be paid in gold coins. And back then, that was a lot of gold coins, $5,000. And he took that gold bullion and he put it in a massive money belt that he strapped around his massive frame. He wanted it there for safekeeping. And he boarded the first ship back to Europe. But on the way back to Europe, that ship ran into a storm and it began to sink. Everybody started crowding into the life rafts. Yusuf, the terrible Turk, was so frightened that he stood on the edge of that ship he was getting ready to jump into the lifeboat. Common sense told him he needed to take that belt off, but he couldn't bear to part with the gold, and so he kept it on. He jumped off of the edge of the ship, trying to land in the lifeboat. Instead, he landed in the ocean. He sunk like a rock. That money, that gold, had become the anchor that cost him his life. You see, the problem with greed, again, is not what it gets you. It's what it costs you. Listen to me. There are some of you here today who are making a very foolish choice. You are spending your life accumulating more and more and more. It may not just be more money. Maybe it's more success at your work, more recognition, more pleasure, you're accumulating more and more and more at the expense of gaining the only thing that will matter one second after you die, and that's your relationship with Christ. Instead of investing in His kingdom, you're investing in this world's kingdom, and one day you're going to leave it all behind. There is something about giving. There is something about opening your hands just a little bit more that helps break the grip of greed on your life. 
If greed has you in its grip, do you know the most defiant thing you can do to combat greed? The most defiant act you can take is to open your hands and say, I'm not going to be a prisoner to greed. Greed, I'm going to have the last word. I'm going to give more, not less. There's something about giving that in and of itself reminds us that our life consists of more than our possessions. The problem with greed is not what it gets you, but what it costs you. In his book, Living Life on the Ragged Edge, Chuck Swindoll tells another true story that is related to the sinking of another great ship, the Titanic. There was a passenger on the ship, a very wealthy woman, who was in the lifeboat, getting ready to be lowered into the raging North Atlantic Ocean as the Titanic began to sink. And as she hovered over the North Atlantic Ocean, she suddenly remembered something she had left in her room. And she asked the leader of that lifeboat if she could have a few moments to return to her room. He said, I will give you three minutes, but if you're not back, we're going to leave without you. She climbed up out of the boat. She raced up the slanting deck of the Titanic. She went through the casino with all of the money left behind on the floor. She raced into her stateroom, and she reached for the shelf above her bed. She pushed aside the diamond necklaces and the bracelets and the gold, and she reached for those items of value, three oranges that would help sustain her on the trip ahead of her. If 30 minutes earlier, she never would have made that choice. But you see, she had come face to face with the prospect of her death. And that changed her value system. As she considered the prospect of her death, suddenly those things that were deemed priceless were now judged as worthless. And those things that 30 minutes earlier were thought to be worthless suddenly became priceless. That's the wisdom that death brings. Hear the truth of this parable. A wise person is one who doesn't wait until it's too late to understand what's really valuable in life. The wise person is the one who is willing to let go of that which is temporal so that he might grab hold of that which is eternal. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, instruct those who are rich in this present life not to focus their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. When our ship is sinking and our life is threatened, our wealth, our riches no longer hold any value at all. In an instant, our entire perspective changes. Well, as we conclude today, I'm pleased to remind you that Pathway to Victory is the recipient of a remarkable matching challenge in the amount of $500,000. It comes from friends of this ministry who have decided to invest their personal resources in things that are eternal not temporal. And they're inviting you to join them in this worthy cause today, while doubling the impact of your generous gift as well. Luke 12 teaches us that there's joy in giving as we learn to release our grip on what is temporary and invest in things that are eternal. 
Would you help us reach this enormous goal of $500,000? Your gift today at $50 is matched until it becomes $100. A $500 gift becomes $1,000. A $10,000 gift would become $20,000. In every case, your gift will be multiplied, having twice the impact. God has opened doors of opportunities for us to expand Pathway to Victory into places we've never been able to go. All these opportunities are seized when we receive gifts from generous friends like you. To say thank you for your generous gift today, I want to send you my brand new children's book so that you can teach your children and grandchildren about the treasure of a good foundation. My new book is called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids, and it's completely and beautifully illustrated. A copy is yours when you give a generous gift toward the matching challenge. Now, here's David with all the details. Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support this ministry, we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of the brand new children's book by Dr. Jeffress called Jesus' Favorite Stories for Kids. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or visit our website that's at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also include the complete unedited CD and DVD sets from our current series called The Parables, Jesus' Favorite Stories. And because of our Gospel Advance Matching Challenge, any gift you give will be doubled in impact meaning there's never been a better time to give to Pathway to Victory. Call us toll-free 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. A lot of our listeners prefer to write. If that sounds like you, here's that mailing address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Listen again tomorrow when Dr. Jeffress delivers a lesson in workman's compensation. That's Friday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.